The last page has been turned on my most recent read and this time it's actually true. I have only just discovered who done it and oh boy it was seriously a surprise. I did not see it coming. But then when it becomes too predictable it's no longer the fun it used to be, right? So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion filled as ever and ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I visit the enchanting Scottish village of Loch Du, where murders are more regular than you'd expect for a town with a very small population, as I talk about the first outing of MC Beaton's Scottish police constable Hamish Macbeth in A Death of a Gossip. I'm your host Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing, seriously, it's got even bigger this week, to be red pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. honest for many years I didn't realize that the 1990s TV series starring Robert Carlyle was based on what is currently a 35 book set. The latest Death of a Traitor was released just this week on the 2nd of February in the UK. However when someone on YouTube asked me if I was going to consider reading Beaton's Hamish Macbeth series I started researching as you do and went down one of my seemingly eternal rabbit holes websites, secondhand bookstores, world of books, Waterstones, Amazon and so many others to find a cover that I liked as well as the book that I wanted to read. I even started re-watching the TV show, which I watched when it originally aired between 1995 and 1997 on BBC One. This certainly helped me, a non-Gaelic speaker, to say the place and character names as they were meant to be said. I really don't want to destroy them because, seriously, they sound stunning in the original Scottish accent. When society widow and gossip columnist Lady Jane Winters joins the local fishing class, she wastes no time in ruffling feathers, or should that be fins, of those around her. Among the victims of her sharp tongue is Lockdo Constable Hamish Macbeth, yet not even Hamish thinks someone would seriously want to silence Lady Jane's shrill voice permanently until her strangled body is fished out of the river. Now, with the help of the lovely Priscilla Halberton Smythe, Hamish must steer a course through the choppy waters of the Tatler's life to find a murderer. But with a school of suspects who aren't willing to talk, and the dead woman telling no tales, Hamish may well be in over his head, for he knows that secrets are dangerous, knowledge is power, and killers, when cornered, usually do strike again. Everyone has secrets and this certainly proves to be the case for a group of outsiders travelling to enjoy a week of fishing at the Lockdo School of Casting. Alice seems to be there to find a husband or at least find someone to pay her attention. Ambitious Gen Jeremy apparently wants to catch fish. Daphne is there seemingly to get away from her oh-so-difficult life as a debutante in Oxford. The Major is a regular visitor who loves fishing and spends as much time out on the water as he can. 
Young Charlie is there to escape the horror that is his parents' acrimonious divorce, something that he has been shoved, unfortunately, right into the middle of. Then there is the American couple, apparently wealthy Amy and Marvin Roth, and of course, Lady Jane Winters, the widow of an ex-MP. From the outset, it's apparent that this group is never going to get along. Alice is immediately resentful and clearly jealous of Daphne's grace, elegance and class, and quickly enamoured of the oblivious Jeremy seeing Daphne as competition for his affections. The Major has ambitions for his weak fishing, and they don't include drama, probably the only sensible one there, apart from young Charlie. And Lady Jane is trying hard to insinu insinuate herself into the lives of her fellow holidaymakers, though she has rather nefarious reasons for doing so. And this is something that many suspect to be the case. On the first morning of the holiday, we are introduced to not only the holidaymakers, but also Heather and John Cartwright, the owners of the school, and Hamish Macbeth, the friendly but somewhat ineffective police constable who spends his time catching poachers or wandering across the fields, because it seems the village isn't really a den of iniquity. I have to be honest, that sounds absolutely perfect for me. Hamish spends a lot of his time with the Cartwrights and their customers, mooching coffee or wine and sandwiches, a fact that appears to annoy Heather considerably. As the holiday progresses, relationships within this unlikely group continue to grow and change. While some seem to be for the better, Jeremy and Alice have established a secret romance, though the secrecy of it is baffling because neither of them are committed to anyone else. Or are they? Lady Jane continues to study the other guests, insinuating that she knows things about them, aware of secrets they have been keeping, and she takes absolute joy in intimidating them, making her incredibly unlikable. The group go out one morning to learn more about casting a line in an effective way to catch a fish, and it is then that Daphne makes an awful discovery. In the lake, dead eyes staring up at her, is Lady Jane, fishing line wrapped around her neck and chains tied about her ankles. Hamish Macbeth may seem like a useless constable, but if there is one thing he knows, it's people. And though he shows little interest in progression or promotion, he has spent time with the victim and the suspects and has seen a lot more than those officers who come in to get the credit for solving the murder of a titled English woman. Of course, the secrets that the outsiders are keeping, some of which are truly fascinating, seriously, have a lot to do with the murder and the motives behind it. But to reveal those could reveal the real murderer, and you really don't want me to do that. Where exactly did January go? Anyone got the answer? One minute we were staring Christmas down and the next we're looking at the second month of the new year. The funny thing is that for so many, January felt like it lasted an eternity and normally I would be no different. But so much happened over the last month that I don't think I had time to stop and think about how many days there were between one payday and the next. February is looking to be a sort of good month, at least where books are concerned. The month itself is going to be a bit of a tough one personally, but I am not going to let that affect my plans when it comes to books and reading. 
Though Death of a Gossip has been out for almost 40 years, originally released in 1985, I am happy to say that I managed to avoid the murderer reveal until I read it in the book. And there, this is a reason why I'm always so careful when it comes to reading reviews and tend to go out of my way to avoid them, more so when reading mysteries than any other genre. Who wants to find out who done it before they reach the revelation? Because it just basically makes the entire reading process a waste of time. Without comprehending the motive or getting to know the characters, it actually has little meaning. If I'm going to be honest, I really don't like spoilers in general and get frustrated with myself when I end up catching something out of the corner of my eye that ruins the ending of a book I've been reading or a film that I've been watching. It just makes me feel like I may as well be doing something else. I That said, though, I enjoy reading and leaving reviews after I've finished the book. Seriously, it's how I spend most of my weekend. But I don't buy or read any books based solely on online reviews. I'll happily take recommendations from people I follow on Instagram, TikTok, or from friends who have similar tastes to me. But Goodread and Amazon reviews are never a decision maker for me. One of the main reasons why I share so much of myself, my taste, especially in books, in these reviews is because I think that if you know more about who I am and what I like, whether that's a film that I watched, a TV show that I enjoyed or something that I'm listening to, is because it gives you a better idea of whether we share any tastes in common. Of course, if reviews prove anything, it's that everyone has an opinion and they're entitled to it, but not everyone's will be the same. In order to ensure that I don't spoil anything for you in these episodes, I am really careful about how I talk about the book. As you can tell, when it's a crime, a mystery or anything else, I don't reveal anything past the body being discovered because that could reveal the murderer. But also the reviews I select are very carefully chosen. So you can be reassured that when you pick up the book and enjoy it, if you want to, it's not going to be ruined for you. When it comes to reviews in general, I think that they are a really good reflection of how different everyone can be. Though these reviews come from both ends of the spectrum, I do think it's important that you make up your own mind. Don't let anyone's opinion, including my own, sway you into buying or not buying something if you're not sure about it. C gave the book one star, feeling that it was lacking a lot. They said... No one could be more surprised than I to dislike a novel I looked forward to. I squirmed through this one. I have every intention of giving the next novel a chance. Marion C. Beaton is a beloved cosy mystery author, and it's no joke. I collected about 20 of her books. I would be relieved to turn my reaction around. I landed up with a few first editions. Marianne wanted to portray a peaceful, idle policeman so his input would make shockwaves. The misfortune is, in this attempt, Hamish came out as a moocher who no one liked. Adding to the sour note, it took ages to establish a protagonist. We started with a fishing class couple, moved among pupils, and I have no interest in fishing. 
This theme wasn't a backdrop, but an activity cast to the forefront. Lastly, I dislike the storytelling method that passes a few point between a bunch of people instead of sticking with the hero. However, I have gotten on board with that several times in literature because a subject was compelling or I loved the characters. I couldn't stand any one of these. I found the girl looking for love, stupidest of all. The scenery was beautiful and people who like fishing would savour the details. However, this is a series that wanted to be categorised with mysteries, but it took 100 pages to get anywhere near one. I think Marion wanted to dry write slapstick humour, and that's perfectly valid. The mystery didn't gel, dropping death into a book with no profound plot. When we discover the motive, it's far away and nothing that should precipitate killing. Your reaction to the outcome should never be, so what? Or, that's it? It's regrettable there was nothing for me to latch onto among these pages. I was actually rather surprised at the number of reviews this book had, given my previous experience when it comes to older cosy mysteries. Quite often, at least in my experience, ones that seem to be less popular and certainly less hyped struggle to get reviews and ratings in comparison with books in the fantasy and science fiction genres. Unsurprisingly, a lot of the issues that those who viewed the book negatively had were with the writing of the characters, feeling that they were lacking anything resembling dimension and fell flat. Not only that, they also found that the mystery element took too long to reach, thus possibly negating the fact that this was meant to be a mystery. On Goodreads, the overall rating for the book is a very good 3.66. Well, very, I say very good, but yeah. Which is a little above average and certainly rating it higher than Argyle, which I reviewed a few weeks back, the score for which has now dropped to a rather unfortunate 3.44. I think that a lot of that disappointment has to do with the absolute announcement that Taylor Swift is by no means the author of this novel. I still have my theories on that one. Death of a Gossip was first published in January 1985, making it one of the oldest books I've actually reviewed on this podcast. Obviously, it wouldn't have started collecting online reviews that early since its publication came long before the introduction or the inception of Amazon, Goodreads and the Waterstones website. The Waterstones store is a lot older than that. That said, the book has still gathered a considerable number of ratings. In fact, there are 18,075 with 1,543 written reviews. The majority of those... 35% or 6,495 readers awarded the book four stars with a further 34% or 6,252 feeling the book was merely average and deserving of three stars. Just 20% of readers or 3,714 which sounds like quite a few really felt it was incredible and worthy of a five star rating and 1% or 252, gave it the lowest rating of one star. Luffy is obviously a fan of MC Beaton's stories and gave it five stars. They said, Fantastic. What a story. So intelligently told. The difference between Death of a Gossip and the first Agatha Raisin book is that the former doesn't concentrate on the main character's details. That only helped to improve on what was a nice murder case. 
The gathering of suspects in a library was something of a throwback to Christie books. The final showdown with the suspects was very well presented. Hamish is a decent, such a decent chap. His traits are realistically displayed, and you believe him, his upbringing, his motives. He is the most alive detective I've come across since Sleeping Murders, Jane Marple. I enjoyed reading about things that moved me, yet despite that, the fact that I could have been swept away emotionally, I wasn't. The book gave me control of my thoughts. I was aloof and impartial, while still cared very much for Alice, Charlie, et al., I was very surprised by the quality of this book, and it seems, and I hope, that I have a lot of good things to discover of the Hamish Macbeth series. It's always interesting to see what people think of the opener to a series, especially when it's one that has been going for a while. Hamish Macbeth was the first cosy crime or cosy mystery series that Beaton started, with Agatha Raisin not arriving on the scene for a further 25 years. It appears that Death of a Gossip was a somewhat divisive introduction to the population of Loch Du, with some reviewers and readers loving it and others finding it lacking what they wanted. However, it appears that these are people who are not only familiar with Beaton's work, probably Agatha Raisin, before they picked up anything including Hamish Macbeth, which in itself is unfortunate but I guess it's to be expected when the book was published before the internet became a household thing. When I first picked up Death of a Gossip, I wasn't sure what to expect, especially as if you've listened to any of my Agatha Raisin reviews, you know my feelings where those stories are concerned are incredibly mixed. Some of the books and their mysteries have been both entertaining and well-written, and others have frustrated me to the point where I could happily throw the book across the room and then scream into a pillow. As that is the case where Beaton's works are concerned, at least for me, it's easy to understand where the two reviewers I have mentioned are coming from. Seriously, I know exactly where they're coming from. Read one and go, oh my god, this is amazing. Read the next one and go, uh, yeah, not for me. Everyone has an opinion and comes at books they read from different angles, depending entirely on what they wanted or expected from it when they picked it up. I guess this is why I honestly think that you have to take every review you read or hear, including these ones, with a pinch of salt. Anyway, now I've told you all about other people's views, let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on Death of a Gossip by MC Beaton. Completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? Being honest, as I have to be, this year has been a little disappointing when it comes to the books I've picked up. I have read far more books that I have found to be less than average than books I have enjoyed and would happily read again. The last one I picked up was Nevernight, and it was incredible. But I'm not here to talk about that one right now. That book is for another day, kind of unfortunately. I have honestly got fond memories of the TV show with Robert Carlyle, so you can imagine what I was expecting when I picked up Death of a Gossip. TV John, Barney, Lachlan, Lackey, and Wee Jock. Yet none of them were in the book. Like, at all. In the show, these were the colourful characters that made Loch Du the fascinating and charming village it was. Despite these characters missing from the pages, it was clear that 
they had been added really to provide a more rounded population. The people I met in the book were intriguing. All the suspects had in interesting pasts <laughs> that's the way of putting it and the exposition that provided us with background on our central character Hamish was incredibly cleverly done in such a way that it didn't really feel as though the information was being shoved down my throat one thing I admittedly love about Beaton's novels is that she's incredibly good at creating unlikable characters which isn't always a good thing and this one is no different However, she also has an unfortunate tendency to write female characters with negative stereotypical traits, something I have struggled to understand for years. The women in Death of a Gossip are victims of this tendency, and often it feels as though Beaton has a dislike for women in general, which makes no sense, and it's difficult to fathom why this may be the case. Admittedly, she is not always complimentary about our lead protagonist, who has many somewhat less than complimentary qualities. But as the lead, you know that he will eventually come good, or at least you keep on hoping he will. Hamish is described as a lazy moocher who gets under everyone's feet. Of course, to the contrary, he also somehow managed to break the hearts of many of the girls and women in the village at the same time. For me, the biggest thing about this book, at least to start with, was the description of the village and the surrounding area. It sounds like a slice of heaven, ignoring the fact that there's a murder and a rather violent one at that, with rolling hills, endless countryside and beautiful lakes and rivers. I love being by the water. Loch Du, while a completely fictional place like Carsley, is set in a very real location and the scenery is so easy to imagine. Beaton clearly has a love for creating a beautiful setting for the murders and the other crimes she writes about. As Loch Du is a very small community set somewhat in the middle of nowhere, it's hardly surprising that the unfortunate murder victim is an outsider who's come to the Highlands for a fishing holiday at the Loch Du School of Casting, run by John and Heather Cartwright. As I've already mentioned, Beaton is incredibly good at creating characters you don't like, and Lady Jane Winters, our poor murder victim, oh, well, not so poor, is horrid. It's apparent from the start that she's a spiteful gossip monger who is out to gather information about her fellow holiday makers. There is a reveal close to the end of the book that goes into far more detail, but you know me, this would be a spoiler. The stereotypes, especially of the female holiday makers, causes me to grit my teeth and read through the sections where these women are included. They are so one-dimensional, so frustrating and so annoying, especially the younger women, Af Alice and Daphne. Alice is a secretary up from London, but originally from Liverpool, and for some reason she is portrayed as desperate, sleeping with another of the holiday makers, Jeremy, and assuming that because they spent a few carnal nights together, they are engaged. There is a bit of the bunny boiler about her behaviour, and it's more than a little irritating. Daphne, in the reverse, feels so much more like background, though she is always there. She's quiet and somewhat unassuming, as though her position as a wealthy debutante is being reaffirmed by this ladylike deportment. 
I've already talked about Lady Jane a little bit and why I'm absolutely unsurprised at her being the murder victim. She is an awful person and, as is Beaton's routine, this is stressed almost to the point where you want to reach through the book and strangle the character yourself. It's a tad overkill. She does her best to be the life and soul of the party while dispatching her fellow guests with joyful pith and spite. The final woman who suffers somewhat at the hands of our writer is Amy Roth, the Georgia Peach wife of a wealthy New York businessman. She is the cliché of the quiet southern woman or mint tulips and magnolia blossoms. And because of this, I am guilty of often forgetting about her and her husband completely. There are a few men on the trip, including the romantic cad Jeremy, an older army major, Amy's husband Marvin and a 12-year-old boy, Charlie, who often feels as though he has more common sense than the rest of the fishing group put together. Charlie was a breath of fresh air, as was Hamish, to be fair. They were a pleasant escape from the stereotypes. All of that having been said, I devoured this book relatively quickly and enjoyed it, despite the demise of the wicked gossip witch Lady Jane and the discovery of her murderer, Hamish proved himself to be more than the useless moocher that most people seem to assume he was. The way that Heather Cartwright seemed to hold Hamish in a great deal of contempt was surprising given the way that I remembered his character being from the TV show. But again, there are very few things to connect the show and the books, except for the name and the place. Overall, I think that this was a good introduction to a series I had never considered picking up before. And because of that, I have purchased the next three books. Yes, I did that on Friday. For all that there are elements of Beaton's writing that I have never and probably never will enjoy, she knows how to create a villain or predicted victim and keep you guessing when it comes to unveiling the killer of the piece. What surprised me most about the book? I know that I have harked on about it a few times, but the thing which surprised me the most about the book was that it was nothing like the TV adaptation, ignoring, of course, the fact that Robert Carlyle actually bears a strong resemblance to the character on the page, and Loch Du and the surrounding area was equally as beautiful as I imagined it being. If you, like me, have watched the programme and picked up the books expecting a weekly mystery and the colourful characters created for the screen, then you are going to be disappointed. That's not to say I am disappointed in the book. I was not, but I was surprised at the lack of similarities. Another thing, though, that did surprise me and equally disappointed me was the way that Beaton's inability to create likeable female characters is not a new thing. It's something that has long annoyed me about the way she writes Agatha Raisin and will no doubt follow me to the Hamish Macbeth murder mystery series, which I do plan to continue reading. If you're looking for something like this or you loved this and want something else, then you'll love these. I've already said it multiple times, but I do enjoy a good cosy crime or cosy mystery novel. And that's why I have a rather long playlist of episodes for you to try out. I will link them in the notes below. But needless to say, Agatha Raisin and the Quiche of Death Dead on Target and Death of a Busybody are three that I would happily recommend. There are also The Marla Mysteries by Robert Thorogood. The third in the series was published at the end of last year and is titled The Queen of Poisons. Though 
they aren't to my taste and I have gone into why in an earlier episode of the podcast, many people love the Thursday Murder Club series by Richard Osman and therefore I would be remiss if I left them off this list. Of course, if you want more recommendations, check out my playlist. I will link it below. I managed to finish nine books in January, not as impressive as last year, and admittedly a little disappointing for me. However, there were reasons, and I need to be fine with that. I've got to stop judging myself on the expectations that I originally had. There are still a further 11 months of the year left to devour more novels, so I haven't run out of time. This week, I ordered a few more books and received another in the post on Friday, a beautiful paperback copy of The Invocations by Crystal Sutherland. Though in the past, novels that fall into the dark academia character category haven't really proved to be my thing, especially if my experience with the Atlas Six is anything to go by, I just couldn't resist the beautiful pale lilac sprayed edges and the promise of additional content. But also the summary really appealed and that's what's important. February is looking to be a really good month when it comes to new books. And though I'm not exactly looking forward to reaching half a century next week, I am looking forward to the books that are due to arrive just before it happens. On another note, I am going into hospital for a very minor procedure towards the end of this week. And though I am hoping I will be able to record and be recovered by the end of the week and the weekend, despite not knowing what book I'm going to review yet, it may be that I have to take a week off. Again, I stress minor procedure, nothing serious, but general anaesthetic doesn't like me too much and... Funnily enough, I don't like it overly in return. My pre-order list grew by a further three books this week, but I don't feel bad about it as I am about to add some special editions to my vintage to cover the costs. I am not getting any subscription boxes in February and even more importantly, the books I have pre-ordered aren't due for delivery until the latter part of the year giving me plenty of time to work through a few more books on my TBR in the interim. I am getting a bit better, I think. All but one of my reads for January were on my TBR, which is good, right? I am no longer banning myself from buying books, as I have determined that preventing myself from doing something that makes me happy is not a way to inspire my 2024 word of the year, joy. So I would love your recommendations. If you've come across any books you think I'd enjoy, please email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com. DM me on Instagram where I post my pictures of current reads and planned reads or send me a message through my website. Don't forget, if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, a newsletter will be coming soon, I promise. Well, that's it for this week and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family? And please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you might listen. It really does help spread the fact that this podcast exists. You can also follow me on Instagram as beingbookishpod, on TikTok as beingbookishreviews and on X as being underscore bookish. And you can find newer episodes and some book-themed shorts on YouTube, where I am at Being Bookish Pod. 
or of course you can check out my website for the full podcast back catalogue and written spoiler-free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I have a few things left to do before I begin another week at the office, and I really want to get my next read started, though I currently have no idea what it's going to be. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.